It's everyone's favorite show about all things Utah. A show where four hosts, and sometimes a guest, discuss whatever they want regarding Utah, and mostly stay on topic. It's the new Utah Podcast, with your hosts, Bree, Chris, Jeremy, and Jessica. Episode... I almost said 110, but that was two years ago. It's It's episode 210. 210. Um, And it is... uh, We have a long interview today. Uh, We got uh, a little bonus treat. We got to extend uh, what we thought was going to be a shorter interview. Um, So you'll hear... Uh, the the discussion. I, I don't know what we call them interviews. There's never interviews. It's more we like just, a, yeah, we have a conversation. Conversation. Yeah, which uh, you know most guests tend to like um, because it's not just a here's a question, here's an answer thing. We let the guests really tell stories, and uh, I think people like to talk. Uh, people like to have those conversations. So, uh, but we talk with uh, we're going to talk with Burgess Owens, who is running. Um, presumably, maybe against Ben McAdams for the fourth congressional seat here in uh, Utah. So he has to win the primary. He's got to win the primary, okay. and he's got three other um, three other real competitors in the primary. We'll see who comes out there. Um, who are the other top competitors? Jay McFarland. Yeah, Jay oh. McFarland, who actually I think I like the best after watching that debate, but I won't vote for any of the four of them. So, sorry. Tyler Sassy Pants. I don't know his last name. Is um, Christensen? Yeah, I think it's Christensen. And then um, what's the lady's name? She's a current um, sitting House rep at the state legislature. Um, it doesn't matter. I don't really care. I'm not going to vote for any of them. Um, I'm going to vote for Ben McAdams, and I won't register Republican just to vote in a primary just like you do. I did. I haven't. I know. You, she you tried, to, but she forgot. I'm too lazy. You failed. <laughs> Damn lazy liberal. Um, no, but Burgess, despite um, not sharing some of the same viewpoints politically, uh, he's a really good dude. Uh, he has a, a lot of good stories to talk about. So. He's been through a lot. Yeah. Some yeah. really interesting stuff. So stay tuned for that. You'll enjoy it. Uh, but there's a lot going on, a lot to unpack. Um, normally, we would do a bunch of news. I think um, the time that we're in right now, we're, we're going to focus on exactly what's going on right now because it's impacting Utah directly. Um, actually, today, uh, we are in the middle of a, uh, uh, a curfew. Uh, an 8 p.m. curfew all week. Uh, we just got done with the only curfew in the nation that was a full day. Uh, they, they shut down all of Salt Lake City for an entire day, basically. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but first, uh, I want to talk about, uh, Jeremy's lack of coordination <laughs> and walking. I don't even want to go there, dude. You are so <laughs> Jeremy, how long have you lived in your home? Boy, almost 14 years in this house. Okay. And and in those 14 years, how many times have you walked down? Now, this isn't a full flight of stairs. This is three, three stairs, stairs from your, your <laughs> dining area. I have never area. fallen down your stairs before. Chris I just has want to know. all the time. And he's fallen up the stairs, from too. From your dining thousands area. Thousands of times. To your living room. Maybe even hundreds of thousands of times. Okay. I don't know. And then how many of those times have you broken your If ankle? your stairs had been wooden the whole time, you would have worn a path. Probably. Probably. So, I want to preface this with... I never, ever, ever, ever walk around with just socks. I never have. I just don't. I either wear shoes or sandals or barefoot. 90, 97% of the time I have shoes on. Anyway, Sunday we're watching uh, Indiana Jones, by the way. Good flick. Which one? 
like 16. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because oh. we've already watched the others. It's not a good flick. So we've watched, we've watched the whole series of the You, like, mention one of the worst Indiana Jones ever made, <laughs> and you're like, good flick, by the way. That's like saying episode one of Star Wars was the best episode was, of Star Wars. I never Wars. said best. I just said good. I think I think The Last Crusade is probably one of my favorites. That's like saying Hayden Christensen's a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to my story. Okay. We've been watching the show. I kicked my shoes off. Because uh, it was a warmer. It was quite a bit warmer on Sunday. Yeah. I, I go up to the kitchen to refill my cup of water. I come, I'm walking back down and. In stocking feet. I know, which I never do. And this is why. I get to the stairs and I don't oh, know what happened. What are your stairs, what, what's covering them? The wood. It's just bare wood? Bare wood. Remember, okay. it's wood like ours. Wood stairs and socks don't mix. No. Next thing I know, I am laying down on the ground at the bottom of the stairs. Like, I just, like. Biffed it. Big time. Did you step on any of the stairs? No, my my <laughs> ankle like rolled backwards and scraped the top of my foot and I landed on it and my shoulder and my sight. Somehow it was weird and it happened so fast. And of course, everybody's watching the show right there. So every my kids and everybody freak out. And they're like, Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm all right. I'm right. I crawl back over to the chair to my lazy boy. As soon as I pull my sock off, my foot just goes... So they call the paramedics. The paramedics come. So of course you got you know whatever two three fire trucks and ambulance out front of the house. Why do they have to bring so many? I fucking don't because they don't have anything else to do. It's yeah. Sunday. Uh, anyway, well, of course there were the riots going on, but that's different. That wasn't there important. weren't there weren't on Sunday. Oh, that's true because they closed. They closed. Because they closed down everything. So so they come. They take a look at it. They they were there maybe ten or fifteen minutes. They they run through the. Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you feel this? Everything checked out, relatively speaking. And they said it. The guy said, uh, I have to tell you, you're supposed to go to the hospital, get x-rays, and get it checked out. But at the same time, I'm telling you, I'm positive it's not broken, and there's really not much they can do, so it's up to you. So I didn't end up going in. So it's yeah, been... he didn't say that last part officially, by the way. Not officially. <laughs> not officially. So it's... he's not a doctor. Yeah. But he plays one on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a miserable last couple of days. But, I mean, I'm walking on it. it I, I, I can move it. Look, I, I was telling you earlier, John actually broke his foot. Like, you should have seen how nasty this foot looked. Doctor took x-rays, actually broken inside of there. He was walking on it like the third day after seeing the doctor. I saw him out running, the, running with oh, the yeah. dog like he, a week yeah, later. Yeah. Fucking... <laughs> so your feet are like... Look, how I broke mine, there was no walking on mine because I shattered my bones and my ankle joint. There was no walking on that. Like, it wasn't even connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but most foot injuries, like, there's not really anything you can do for a foot. Not a whole lot. Unless there's, like, a a traumatic injury where they actually have to operate in, like, realign bones. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Like, they'll put you in a walking boot or a cast, and that's no different than a split most of the time. Don't walk around in socks. That's I've. That's the moral of the so, story. Did I tell you about the time I fell down our basement? I walk around stairs in socks now. all the time, but I'm not a freaking class. <laughs> now watch me fall down the stairs. So, so this was like last year. Um, I was so we had a blanket. That bl- that very blanket right there that's on the back of the Bree's one that Bree's chair got. Uh, that sits in the studio. Um, it was upstairs, and Bree. Um, I, we t- I took it to the movies, and so I brought it in. Yeah, so that was her movie blanket. Then needed to come back down here, so, so I she could sat have it for a podcast. Top of the stairs, like on the corner at the top of the stairs. It was there 
This is one of those things where it was there for like a week. This is one of those things. No, it wasn't there for a it week. Was. It was there for like two days. But it was one of those things where like, <laughs> this is what I get frustrated with, Chris. I'll like put stuff on the stairs. And when I walk up the stairs, I grab as many as I can and take them up the stairs. He'll just walk past them 50,000 times. I didn't put it on the stairs. It's not so my job. Yeah, away. but you knew where it went. Because when I'm going to put stuff When away, you have shoes on the stairs, I pick your shoes up. That's why anyway, I, that's why so, I put them on the stairs. So the thing is, is <laughs> so it sat there forever. And I just hadn't come downstairs because I don't come. I usually I had come been down up here and, for the podcast. I had been like, up and down the stairs, I don't know, probably 20 times in a couple of days because my office, office is down, down here, here and I'm, I'm up and down the stairs a lot because I can't see the bathroom's still. upstairs. N- nothing. N- no, nothing wrong. And then like it was like Sunday evening or something. I'm when you have your laptop. In yeah, your I've got my laptop in my hand because I'm going to take it back down to my office. I, I turn the corner to walk down the stairs. I step on the blanket. Now that blanket's really soft and really slick. I slide. I fly down the entire flight of stairs. <laughs> and what do you got there? Like the six, laptop. <laughs> the laptop flies yeah, out of my so. hand. Like might be eight. I do not know how I was not injured. I faced <laughs> no injuries at all. I wasn't even all sore. All he did was um, you I, broke the cord I broke that goes cord. from your laptop to the... And then my laptop is a little fucked up on the side. Like the, the edge of it is like... But like the up. cord that went from his laptop to the fan so on the... I have like a cooling rack thing for when I'm having it on my lap because it gets so hot sometimes. Yeah. So I feel your pain with the... That's, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. I don't wear socks like ever by themselves no because they just get dirty for one and two you're you're okay to go barefoot are you saying that my floors are dirty no i'm saying that i go outside i go in the garage you've seen my feet at the end of the day they're black sometimes and i have to get in the shower and wash them off before i go to bed <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm i'm sorry jeremy that uh yeah at least it's not like when i cut my finger off it's, it could have been much worse fuck <laughs> We all remember that. Yeah. In Jess, fact, my well, little timeline on my phone popped up. That was like three years ago, like coming up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where the leather gloves literally just your saved time your of finger. Year. Yeah. Well, because it was the week you guys were at Comic-Con. I don't know. Because I think you guys were at Comic-Con and I was sending you messages from the ER. You're sending me pictures of your gloves. Do you want to see finger? something yeah. gross? <laughs> Hell yeah, I do. <laughs> Jess, did you do anything? Ex- I saw your... Okay, look. So we're going to talk about this. I saw your car, uh, the picture of your car on, it had to be Sunday when I was like looking through Instagram. Uh, maybe it was Saturday night. I don't remember. But I saw the back of your car full of bricks. I'm like, she did not fucking go to the pro. My, my initial she's thought throwing was bricks? that she took a carload of bricks downtown Salt to Lake the, on Saturday <laughs> and she was posting on the Instagram that she I'm did like, it. Really? And then I read it and I'm like, oh, I'm like. Still, that seems kind of like that was my first reaction, like Selling to see a car full of bricks. Brick thrower? No, I just thought you were supplying bricks. You're part of Antifa, right? Selling them for yeah. five dollars a piece. Uh, but <laughs> so I was like, and I told Bree that I'm like, I'm the next Sky Fox. And I'm such like, a completely how in the world did you even think that? Such a completely like irrational thought process, <laughs> but. Look, my, I saw, and I was like, "Oh, Jess uses the back of her car like we do." My head wasn't in the right place, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, Jess, did you do anything this weekend besides load your car full of bricks? And are the bricks still in your car? Uh, some are because I have to exchange them. Um, so I made my third visit to Penny Ann's <laughs> since they opened, <laughs> but it's been really fun because have you every- gone to any other restaurants yet? Yes, okay. I went to. I told you I went to Sills. 
Um, and also the Asian restaurant by my friend's house. So, um, cream of salt. We, yes, <laughs> my favorite. Um, I don't. Yeah, so I went to Penny Ann's and then, no, first I went to get the bricks. So my aunt messaged me this last week and said, hey, they tore down the mercantile in Linden and they, and there's a big pile of bricks and we want to get some because, um, my great grandfather owned it in 1937 and the mercantile opened, I think in the late 1800s. It was, uh, called the Colomore Mercantile. Anyways, so I'm sure there are plenty of people that are going to collect bricks, even though there are fences around it, but I wanted to make sure I got lots of bricks. So I contacted the mayor of Linden and I said, hey, because he actually owns the property as well. Um, you know, my family has a history with this place and we would like bricks, blah, blah, blah. So they're selling them for 25 cents a piece. And so... I met him there. It's a good deal on brick. Yeah. So I met him there and there was another guy that was coming that was getting 500 bricks and he showed up and the, some of the bricks that he loaded into my car are not pathway friendly. <laughs> so I just emailed the, the mayor back and I was like, is there any way that I can exchange some bricks? Because his goal is to get as many bricks out into the community and kind of like trace where they're going. That's kind of cool. Um, and so actually a bunch of my family I found out had been in contact. Um, my mom's cousin is building a, they're called heritage walls. Um, so you take old bricks from old buildings and places and build them into a new structure. And so they're adding it to their cabin, um, I'm going to use it in my new backyard room. Anyway, so that was basically. My so when you say backyard room, do you mean like you're gonna have a roommate in the backyard, <laughs> or just like I'm a, gonna live like, out there, like a living space out there? No, to, it'll be like to a, enjoy. A, a living space. Okay. So I was just wondering if no. you were gonna like force Ron out of the basement into no, the backyard. He's never come out of the basement anyway, so <laughs> I don't have to do that. But. Anyway, so then I just sat on my aunt's deck all afternoon. We watched the storm. Oh, I did go get, I bought $100 worth of railroad ties as well, um, which are ginormous. And heavy. <laughs> and heavy. <laughs> and apparently um, I might be slightly allergic to them, but. Oh, it's probably uh, just the bugs and oil. That uh, maybe, because they are, they all, railroad ties have uh, this chemical on them that I can't remember what it's called. So then we just sat on her deck for like hours watching hummingbirds and watching the storms go by. Hey, I had a hummingbird very, like, come down on my window well the other day. And then Sunday I didn't do anything because I had a really terrible experience with a couple of friends. And so I basically slept through the entire day. So no events, right? Going on right now because everything's basically had to be canceled. Um, Wheeler Farm Farmer's Market is starting up. And the downtown Farmer's Market will be starting on June 13th. Sorry. What the fuck's going on over there, woman? I did have a conversation. They did their or- Disneyland. They did their orientation uh, last week, um, and uh, things are going to be very different. Um, yeah, Trina. No, this no, is no, downtown. Oh, the downtown. The downtown. I'm sure Wheeler Farm oh, will be as well. I, ha- I, I need to talk to Petra and see what they are doing at theirs versus like what's happening downtown. Trina will be the only food truck. Um, that will be oh, wow. at the market, um, for the whole market. We and... went for like the entire summer. Uh-huh. Wow. Yep. That's a big deal. So we, we went and saw Trina actually that she's been well, popping not Trina up. Trina herself. Yeah. But the, the truck with buzz, buzz coffee is the, is Trina's 
business. Um, we went to the truck, which is always parked in the same spot in Rose Park, it seems like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we stopped there and got coffee and then went up to Olio on Saturday because we desperately needed a massive restock of stuff. Uh, so we got to talk to, to Jen and Derek as well. Um, and then came home. Um, Wheeler Farm Sunday Market starts this coming up Sunday. Nice. Well, I might have I to think. go to that. I'm, I was telling Bree, I'm I'm dying for for a market. I I want fresh produce. I want cherries. I want the because it's it's we're into summer it's June now, and, and like the like peas and all your greens and like that stuff is all like up and out, and I really want to get a hold of some fresh stuff. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully there's going to be plenty for the taking, um, or buying, you know, just take by the way at markets you have to buy. Have you heard, uh, is Farmer Luke open? I'm assuming. Oh yeah. His market's been open forever. Well, he he does, uh, I forget about him. I've actually thought about doing his. Actually, Strusel just started, um, putting their pastries in his, um, his his market and Cash Valley Garden, the gardener's market has been going. I've actually thought about. Three weeks, I thought think. about doing part of his co-op thing. Oh, yeah. You should. Yeah. That'd be rad. So, though, my only thing there is sometimes you'll get stuff I won't, like, I don't fucking like tomatoes. I, I won't use them. I'll just throw them at cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably use them, though. Maybe I could make, like, some, put them some in sauce. Just make, make, yeah, make, make sauces. Make spaghetti or... sauce with it or something. Um, yeah, so, I, I have managed to be pretty mild through everything uh, these last couple of months is COVID's taken hold. I've had to, um, you know, first world problems in a sense. I've had to move some some big trips. I had some stuff cancel on me last minute as all this stuff started to to erupt. I mean, I, I was supposed to go to a conference in Orlando that was canceled literally the day before my flight took off. Um, I remember that. Uh, and, and it, it really proceeded from there. Um, I, I've had to postpone my trip to India indefinitely for the time being. I'm hoping maybe late fall. We'll see because India is not doing super hot right now. Uh, but through all of that, I've, I've, I've been okay. I've been fine. Um, I wanted to talk about this a little bit because, uh, Saturday, uh, and into Sunday really hit me and Sunday, I was really depressed on Sunday. Um, and I'm not, I don't get depressed very often. And, and I've not really super recovered from that yet. I'm, I'm still, I'm at a point now where seeing the things that are going on is, is really difficult for me. Um, so a little more than a week ago, a, a, a guy by the name of, uh, George Floyd, right? Um, died at the hands of, Police brutality. He was a black man killed by a white cop um, in in the Minneapolis area. Uh, there's clear video of the white cop basically breaking his neck and killing him, choking him out by kneeling on him and neck restraining him with people screaming for him to stop. The guy saying he can't breathe. He doesn't, you know, three other cops doing nothing to stop it. Uh, and the guy dies. And this is a this is a story that you know for sure the the overall numbers are not staggering in terms of how many people die at the hands of police in a given year. It is wildly disproportionate percentage wise towards black people, right? Um, it's it's not even 
it's not even in the same ballpark. I, I think I looked at the numbers for this year so far, and like 18% of police deaths were African-American. They're only like 12% of our population or something. I don't remember. Um, and then uh, deaths of whites by the hands of cops was like 18% or 20% of deaths uh, were white people, which is like 80% of the population of the U.S. So there is a wild disproportion there. Um, and I... <sighs> This has been an ongoing conversation for a long time, right? Black Lives Matter is not a new movement. It's It's been going on for a while, um, and it's not some crazy liberal agenda. Uh, it is systemic racism, and it's also a, a systemic problem with police forces. Um, the U.S. is supposed to be better than the rest of the world. Um, and it, it's a struggle for me. I talked to actually a, a today, this is, this is an interesting, timely thing. I talked to, uh, a guy that does some work for us from South Africa. Haynes is a really nice dude. He's a, uh, uh, super good web designer. Um, and, uh, he has been working for us for a few years, uh, or working with us. Um, and I was talking to him today about it and he's like, you guys, he's like, I don't, He's like, I don't get it because people in the U.S. are upset about police brutality. Isn't that just how policing is? He's like, here, like, police just beat you up. That's just how it is in the rest of the world. Like, this doesn't seem. But that's not what it's supposed to be in the U.S. Police are supposed to be a peacekeeping force. They're supposed to be uh, a, a part of the community that um, that that keeps the peace, that does stop the violence. Um not perpetrate the violence. And to me, there there's a systemic problem where we've militarized a police force and we've taught them, for the most part, the only way to react is with violence. And we continue to allow police to exist on police forces, whether the, the force is trying to reform itself or not. The guy that killed George Floyd, and I don't have to fucking say allegedly, he killed him. I've seen the video. He fucking killed him. And he should go to jail for a long time. But... And the three guys that did nothing should go to jail as well. They should be held at a higher standard and be held accountable, right? Um, but th that guy had been disciplined multiple times. He'd been investigated somewhere upwards of over a dozen times by internal affairs. Like, why is somebody that's like that, like, if you're at another job, that would never happen. Yeah. And I, I don't, like, that's cause. Like, he's been disciplined three times. Like, if I fuck up at work... 12 times <laughs> and three of those times lead to disciplinary action. Guess what? I don't have the same job. Why does he have a job still? Why isn't he fired? Why hasn't he been put to a desk where he doesn't get to interact with the community? Right? There's other shitty jobs. If the union's trying to protect him, there's other shitty jobs he can have. But all that's to say for me, um, seeing, seeing what happened in Salt Lake, I, I think, because it was close to home, because Salt Lake is, I don't think of Salt Lake as, as being the same kind of level of problem that we have elsewhere, right? There are not a lot of black people that live here. But, you know, the, the mayor of Salt Lake, the police chief of Salt Lake have both said, yes, we recognize there's problems in the department. We're trying to openly and transparently correct those problems. That's really powerful uh, and that says a lot to me that like, hey, even in our community where I, you know, I don't think that that exists, they're saying it exists. They're saying it exists. And whether 
that's like a massive amount of problem or not. It's still there. They're recognizing it, but not every police department's doing that. So then we have, then we have a, a marginalized group, you know, blacks in America, really any person of color in America. Um, they're in bad socioeconomic statuses for the most part. Not all of them. There are certainly that are in the, the middle class and doing well and not impacted the same way uh, in, in a lot of senses. But those people still, if a lot of them fear getting pulled over by the police. Jay Whitaker, um, you know, has feared for his life getting pulled over in Salt Lake. And he was only pulled over because he was black, right? He was treated differently because of the color of his skin. Um, that actually happens. That's a real thing. But to, to see people so hurting right now, that socioeconomic group is even more disproportionately affected by what's gone on with the coronavirus. By shutting down restaurants and gyms and bars and entertainment, the people that had those jobs don't have jobs anymore. The people that had those jobs, 40% of people that earn less than 40000 a year have lost their jobs in the last two months. 40%, half of that class of people. That is not the middle class, by the way. That's poor, right? It's technically not poverty because we haven't adjusted our fucking poverty line in God knows how long. But if you only make $40,000 a year or less, you're barely able to support yourself. Right, it is hard to find a place to live that you can afford, let alone food, kids, kids, which most of them have a family and kids. And so now you have these people that don't have a lot to lose. They don't have a job. The society is completely failing them, and they go out and they have a protest. Not all of those people, very few of those people that are protesting, are doing so in a manner that's not peaceful. There are bad actors that start problems, right? Whether it's starting to flip a police car over or chuck bottles and stuff at police. Um, and once mob mentality starts to take hold, all of that changes, right? So you start to see looting, you start to see rioting because people are fed up because they've been put down long enough. And for me, um, seeing that and then seeing some of the responses watching videos of police in New York driving their vehicles into barricades that have people standing behind them, not people pushing through the barricades, standing behind the barricades, driving cars through those people, through those barricades. That's that's not a place that I want to live, right? And that's not just New York. I watched in Salt Lake City, an old man standing with a cane get fucking shoved to the ground by a police officer in riot gear. The dude stumbles and the cop hits he's, him he's again. He's like standing by what looks to be like maybe a bus stop sign or something with his cane over his arm. And it doesn't even He's matter. not even doing anything. Like he's looking down at his phone or whatever and the cop like pushes him and tells him he has to move and the guy's like trying to get his cane off of his and he's arm like and stumbling. move. And he just pushes him again. And it's not like it doesn't even matter if he was being a protester. No, it, but I'm just saying like he like 
he was less and, than that. Like he wasn't, he was just standing there watching, watching videos of police firing rubber bullets and pepper balls at people standing in their front porch. I, you know, I see a video of basically a militarized police force marching down a residential street, yeah, I saw yelling at that? people, Washington DC. Yeah, I saw yelling that, yeah. at people to go back in their they house. They were actually going from house to house yesterday and shooting people on their front porch. Yep. You know, and then to have a completely fucking absentee leader during all of this nationally. Well, actually, so the ones that were, that the cops were going house to house yesterday in D.C. were the ones that were pepper sprayed in their peaceful protest before Trump took his. Yeah, they, they weren't just up. pepper sprayed. They were fucking where, tear gassed. Where he was, yeah, they, they threw tear gas bombs, which I think are like illegal in no, war. No, they're not. Oh, anyway. So that he could go and take a picture of himself holding a Bible in front of the Episcopal church that got burned the night before. Uh, but when you see a leader that's been mostly silent do that, and then you hear transcripts from a call he has with the nation's governors, the leaders of individual states, weak. where he basically calls them all a bunch of pussies and, and weak and says, if you can't fucking handle it and put these protesters down with force, then I'll send in the military. That's very sickening to me. Um, and it's, it's, it's really hard for me to take that in. That, these protests aren't to be taken lightly. They are the front page news of every news outlet in the world. Well, and people around the world in all of these, Spain, Portugal, Italy, the UK, Ireland, they're all protesting for us like they're all for instance the the liverpool the football team liverpool uh in a practice they all took a knee for you know for floyd um it's the the protests that are going on in like berlin they're chanting for him like it's it's not a small thing i think the world recognizes what's going on here that we have a a class that we have a class of citizen in in this country, and I don't give a shit what race they are, right? They're predominantly black and and Mexican, but it doesn't matter. There are white people in that same situation, and it is so hard to pull yourself out of that. You can try and get an honest job, and then fuck up. You don't get to work because your business can't be open right now. Oh, by the way, you go to the hospital. Now you have hospital bills uh, that you can't pay, and so now you don't have a place to live, and now you're either homeless or living with family. Well, and we've talked about Sims, so they're disproportionately like held up and, and maybe arrested and held uh you know, with with high bail values, which we're trying to fix. Not and, in Salt Lake anymore. I know, but I'm just saying this happens, but but they they get held with these high bail values, right? So now let's say that they have a job and they're they're barely getting by. You know, they're they're getting by every month. It's barely, but but they got this, and then they get put in jail for whatever it might be, whether they did it or not, and they can't get out and they can't get they can't reach their employer, and or their employer's like, well, now you've been in jail. So like I'm, yeah. So yeah. they lose their job, and so now what was a you know a a precipice stable but a stable family unit or whatever is now you know can't get out of jail does get out of jail but doesn't have a job anymore may lose where they're living can't support their family anymore 
And unfortunately, that's disproportionately uh, people of color. So anyway, uh, I was really down on Sunday. I had to turn off any news, which really sucks. Like this all went from I was so stoked on Saturday. I got to watch history being made. Like I got to I was watch crying. That was a, so cool. A commercial space flight take an American astronaut from U.S. soil up into orbit, and then and not a lot can, of space junk was left because their stuff goes back down to Earth and is reusable. Like, like it's so cool. It's it's really like a huge advancement in space travel, um, and to go from that to the scenes of that night uh, and Sunday night. And, you know, I think what Salt Lake did was probably the right thing to enact a full day of curfew on Sunday to help people Just cool let everybody off. Everybody take a breather. Um, clearly that wasn't enough because they did it again on Monday because everyone was back on the streets Monday evening. However, Monday stayed peaceful. They didn't have the issues. Although they, the people that were at my work, so we're just on the other side of the, the police station downtown, which is just right across the street from, you know, library script and, and all of that kind of stuff where, where the, a lot of the protesting has taken place. And one of my coworkers apparently was working on Saturday afternoon. And she said like the helicopters and the yelling and the megaphones. Yeah, but and, that, we're talking about Monday. Now. I know, but I'm on Saturday was, was crazy and she'd been talking about it. And so when all of this, when they started hearing about the scheduled protests and stuff on Monday, my office actually, um, the president of the company sent out a, an email that said, Hey, um, I don't know when we're going to do it, but we're talking about what time we're going to shut off the phones. Um, if anybody wants to leave at three today, we'll, we'll pay for the last hour. They ended up, I think, turning off the phones officially at four, um, and, and telling everyone that they really wanted the building to be vacated by five, just in case anything got crazy. Cause like I said, we're just on the other side of all of that. So it doesn't take, it, it doesn't take much to get to where my building is. So, um, it, I mean, for them to do that, it must have been pretty crazy for the my coworker that was working on Saturday and heard it. And what we had happen here was very mild, guys. Right. Oh yeah. We're not. On, city blocks aren't being burned like they are. In no. And last night I listened to the police scanner for like three hours, and it was very. It's very interesting to listen to police scanner they, during a protest. They they did arrest quite a few people last night. But it was people who did just not. A, like just a couple, and then there it was, was people who wouldn't leave after curfew. Yeah, well, and there and there was um, a couple of people that had weapons that they. Um, oh, my phone! Apparently, I said something that activated my phone. <laughs> um, a couple of people that had weapons um, that they were watching um, an MR4 AR15, um, and. Um, as I was listening to the scanner at the same time as watching Fox 13, um, it was for like 9.30 or so. And there was a group of people that were standing on South Temple and just to watch the gentleman, and I wish that we would have paid more attention to his name, um, talk. He was the one with the bullhorn and kind of leading everybody and to watch him interact with the line of police that were there was just really awesome. And then over the scanner, you could hear them say, Hey, like, what are we going to do? Or are we going to let him go? Are we going to arrest them all? And whatever this kid said to the cops that they had this conversation, um, they let everybody out and walked them basically back to the city hall and everybody got in their cars. And can I, then there was one arrest there. <laughs> can I, can I say this, 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 I'm not a fan of the curfew. Um, I, 
I think the curfew being imposed on Sunday was the right thing to calm things down enough here in Salt Lake. Um, I listened to the debate, the debate yesterday for the fourth congressional district. And I was talking about this before we got on the air today um, and started recording. I thought when they asked the question about whether each candidate wore a mask in public was the dumbest fucking question that I don't give a shit about ever for a, a, a debate for a national congressional seat. I think it's stupid. I think um, the whole mask thing is really fucking dumb. But what was clear is everyone there was acting like wearing a mask with the exception of one, which was, was Jay, um, whatever his last name was, Anderson, McFarlane. McFarlane. All of them, all of Jay them Mac, said, yeah. uh, it, it's our right not to wear a mask because we're Americans. Why the fuck is it okay for us to impose a curfew and say you cannot be out at night? but not okay to say you need to wear a mask in public. I don't understand where that fucking line is at. I don't get the whole, uh, um, if I th- it's my body and I'll do what I want with it, but hey, lady, carry another human in your body let's, for nine months. Let's not talk about abortion. <laughs> Please, let's not talk about abortion today. <laughs> there's enough crazy shit i know i'm just saying abortion. every time i hear that that comment that's that's where my straight where my mind goes but I, so i don't understand I, I i just can't wrap my head around other than the thought of it's a public safety concern but that's why they want you to wear a fucking mask is it's a public health emergency there are statistics that are showing that if you wear a mask it helps lower trans transmission rates and if both people that are around each other are wearing a mask it helps lower it now i thought you were going to say it lowers transgender rates yeah <laughs> wearing a like, mask i don't think that's wearing a how mask works. helps not how you works, not be but. transgendered but what but that's like you thinking that jess is taking bricks to the freaking I know. protest that's my that's my brain is apparently broken right i now. think that masks make you so you're not transgendered and you provide bricks to protesters I, my brain is my brain is totally broken right now <laughs> but but that's my like I, I i get the idea of imposing a curfew like i said that saturday curfew into sunday uh, really into monday morning i think gives people a chance to cool off uh, it gives police a chance to recover because many of them were injured. Um, but I, I, I just, I, the, the curfew all week doesn't make sense to me. Um, I feel like it's another overreach. Look, I am not Republican. If you listen to this fucking show, you know I'm not conservative. But I think what our local governments are doing is, is severe overreach into civil liberties. I think part of being an American is being able to have some of these liberties and being able to peacefully protest when and where you want, as long as you do it properly. And I think that, that saying you just can't be outside after eight o'clock is a little insane. Um, so I'm not a big fan of the imposed curfew all week. Uh, I think it has a place. I think that's an overstep. Um, I think it absolutely needed to be done for public safety. And I think it really changed the tone of those protests also can we talk about the fucking jackass with the bow and arrow because <laughs> how fucking uniquely utah is that son of a robin hood oh my gosh i was talking to jeff and he like corrected me and told me what it was but i don't remember it was anymore. a compound fucking bow yeah and Thank it you. was a giant fucking survival knife in other videos that he was waving around threatening but the police with. didn't see any of that so then they let well, him go but my video <laughs> but my question is so this happened on saturday he's still not arrested 
Yeah. Well, okay. Look, so this is the thing. It's COVID, right? They don't want to just throw everyone in jail. This guy, this guy is a repeat violent offender. He was arrested like a week ago for having a fucking road rage fist fight in the middle of the street. He absolutely should be going to jail. He is a menace to society. They, they, I've, I've heard some people mentioning that there might be some mental issues. So maybe he should, you know, go get some mental evaluation, but he shouldn't be out and about. No. And here's the other thing, right? If he was a person of color and he was oh, threatening the crowd, he with probably would. Yeah. No. What would have happened? Now, I don't think in Salt Lake City, he would have been shot dead in the street. Sim has the charging documents as of four hours ago. Good. He has to be charged. Like, that's just a big mistake if he's not, because he was... And Sim's the DA, by the way, for yeah. those that don't know. For those that don't know, <laughs> the sexiest DA in Utah, Sim Deal. Um, yeah, that that is so uniquely Utah. That's some <laughs> fucking... Do you know what also is uniquely Utah? The fact that he sat on the news station, <laughs> yes. Fox News, and gave an interview in his garments. Yeah. After, I thought that those were private. After he oh, should have been are. taken to jail, by the way. Well, and the fact, okay, so the most egregious part of all of this is that when he gets interviewed, his first interviews are black men started attacking me and beating me. So I wasn't let's doing talk about anything. how awesome it was that the cops just let the people burn his car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think he deserved it. To be fair, I don't think they could have stopped it. No, at that point. for sure. But because I, I think he was lucky was awesome. they were able to get him out of there and they didn't kill him. Because that's there. I saw a video of a, a now, now here's this is where the stuff gets really sad, right? So a lot of like a target's not going to be, it's not the end of the world if you destroy a target and loot it, right? Right, Ta- and target's, target's not concerned about it. Let's target's going to survive, right? Yeah. Target's going to be okay. The 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 stores, I don't even think are franchise stores. I think they're all corporate owned. Like it's, they are. They're insured for it. Not right? that we're condoning this, but. No. Planet <laughs> Fitness, you know, if you want to fucking destroy right. Planet Fitness, like that's not going to hurt anything. But when you start attacking small businesses, these are yes. people, especially people in your community. And there were 170 businesses in that Minneapolis suburb area-ish, I'm going to say, because I don't know exactly where it is, that were were looted. Hey, is there a moratorium on riot insurance? And my by the way? my friend lives twenty minutes north of that area, and I and she actually works for a corporate Target. And I said, "Hey, like, how are things going on?" And like, I've I've been to Minneapolis because my mom's from Southern Minnesota. There's a statue of Mary Tyler Moore there, and uh-huh. I said, "Listen." When Mary Tyler Moore goes down, I'm done. And she said, it's okay, we're Minnesotans, we'll rebuild her. <laughs> so, Cause, there's cause actually there is, terrorism Yeah, insurance. which covers like riots and stuff, right? And uh, you have to purchase it. It's a, something that you either sign away or not. So... There, Most of those businesses probably don't a, have it. There's a good... Yeah, because when, uh, when do you ever think it's like, you know... Now, now it's not very expensive... No, so like it will be now. Some some people just some people just we don't even we don't even point it out because it's like twelve bucks or something. Well, and depending on where they're at, it it's probably not. Yeah, like if you have Correct. a business, if you have a business in in Kearns on fifty sixth and sixty second, you're probably okay. But if you have a small business in a downtown metropolitan area, even it, then though, like here in Salt Lake, it's not too bad. Yeah. But I'm sure Compton. that like yeah, yeah, like in L in the L A <laughs> area, but but. But my point is, when they start looting those places, I don't blame shop owners for trying to defend them. But at some point, you have to realize you're not going to win. And like I saw a video of a shop owner run out and chase some dude with a sword and then proceed to basically get beat to death. I don't think he died, 
but he was beat severely by the roughly 40 to 50 black people that he ran into after chasing a dude with a sword. So don't chase people with swords in a riot. Like, it's probably not a good idea. Don't try to shoot people with bows and arrows. Hmm. I'm really surprised that guy didn't die. Like, I, I'm really surprised that he just got a little beat up. Um, and I'm glad that his fucking car got burned because fuck that guy. So... In related news, we've had a lot of protests um, for masks where people were blocking intersections and yelling at cops and throwing things at cops. And they were mostly white people and the cops were not shoving them down and dressed in full riot gear and shooting at them with rubber bullets. And that's not happening here. The riot gear is, but right. The rest but of I'm just, not. I mean, there are some differences. I, I I'm not going to get into the minuscule differences. There are, I, I, I see that, but some of those people were pretty animated against cops. And I don't, I hesitate to say it as a white chick who's never had to deal with it. Like, I never have to worry. I'm not afraid of the cops doing anything to me. And if I feel unfairly treated by a cop, I'm not, I'm also not afraid to say something because I don't think a cop's ever going to just, like, shoot me because I'm white. So, but I, I feel like these protesters are being treated quite differently and that the the true protesters who are going there and peacefully protesting are just inherently being treated like they're going to do something bad before they've done it where the people who are doing like being rude and throwing things and pushing their boundaries are being given a lot of rope to hang themselves with before they before anything happens Tonight we are, uh, tonight, I say that all the time. It's not, I mean, it's because it's evening for us, Today, but no one knows when they're The listening. 2nd of June. Yes. On, on, not even that, because, like, whenever you listen to the 2nd it. of June, 2020. Um, uh, we're joined with, uh, we're joined, uh, by oh, Burgess oh. Owens. I, I can't talk. This so is nervous. bad. This is bad. Yeah, super nervous. <laughs> uh, so Burgess Owens is, uh, is a, uh, running for the, uh, Republicans, uh, uh, chance up at, at Ben McAdams, uh, fourth congressional district here in the state of Utah. So thanks for joining us for a little bit. I'm looking forward to this, guys, for sure. And by the way, I can tell a lot about the personality with, based on your, your gear, Brie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no question. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I don't know if you've ever listened to the show, Burgess, but, um, you know, it's not a typical question and answer style interview. We like to have a bit more of a conversation with folks and, uh, we, we typically like to start at the point of conception. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, cause I mean, so your, your birthday is what month? August 2nd. August 2nd. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So you're like a Thanksgiving <laughs> baby, maybe, or a Halloween no, baby? No, what, what that means for the last, Oh, years, particularly when I was playing football, that I was never celebrating with anyone. We're always in practice, always <laughs> in training true. camp. That's for true, right? Decades. <laughs> so it's amazing, it's amazing. Things I remember. That's why birthdays don't really mean a big so, to me. So, uh, where did you grow up? Because you're not from Utah. I right? grew up in uh, Tallahassee, Florida, uh, in the 60s. Uh, days of KKK, Jim Crow, and segregation, uh, and one of the most blessed uh, upbringing I could possibly think of because we had, at that time, a very uh, robust middle class throughout our country, the black community. So my uh, my, my, my upbringing in my, in my family was middle class. My um, 
community was middle class. Education was big. We traveled a lot. Um, uh, when I was five years old, I was lived in Africa. My dad was doing a research project. Oh, there. wow. Uh, we were one of those families that, uh, before the process of integration, we took a, a, a summer long trip cross country, seeing every national park and experiencing that. And I, I'm saying that because it's important for Americans to recognize that this country, no matter how we get here, um, regardless of what the narrative is, this country gives everyone an opportunity for, for the for middle class. We get a chance to live the American dream. And uh, and that comes down to just basically, I, I look at four things. Uh, the, the the middle class is a, is a group of people that focus on education, uh, faith, uh, industry, and family. And because of that, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a draw to people around the world. What makes this such an attractive country is not the elitist class, not the poor class. It's that robust middle class that serves, that thinks outside the box, that uh, has empathy, that does all those things that we think of what makes our country great. And so it's important to remember that's what we're fighting for today. Uh, and that's why I have such a passion for this, because I lived it. I know what it is in the middle of all that stuff that people say was so wrong. I lived in a community that made it just right. It made it so that when I came out of there, I was prepared to succeed. I was prepared to overcome the most important things. I had the faith that if you work hard, you do what you have to do. You, you fall flat on your face, you get back up again, treat people right. Things going to work out. And that's still that's still the truth to today. So that's a little bit of my back. Long answer to a short question. I want to know if you've been to the national parks since you were a child. <laughs> Unfortunately, I plan on taking all my. Now, this is 16 years old, by the way, when I did the national park thing. But my goal was to, uh, to get a motor home and take my kids and do the same thing. Unfortunately, just never pull that so, one off. But that would have been so cool. So where did you go to school? I went to University of Miami. I was the third black American to uh, get an athletic a scholarship there, football. Um, uh, and again, it was one of the greatest things that happened to me because it was my first, I came again, my high school experience was pretty much, if you guys remember the, the movie, Remember the Titans, mm-hmm. I was the one of four black athletes that were integrating this, this formerly all white high school. So we went through that whole process and we, we began to grow as we began to win throughout the time. But University of Miami was my first opportunity to really know what friendship looks like is when you look at people from inside out, not outside in. I grew up where everything was outside, looking outside in, everything. And I finally got there, and now for four years, I've started realizing that, uh, you know, we're all the same. You know, people have issues. Uh, some, some folks wanted to run, go home at, at holidays, and some people wanted to stay, not, not go home. I couldn't understand that because I wanted to go home big time, but, <laughs> but we realized how much we have in common. That's what it's all about. Was the integration during high school then? <clears throat> yes, my 10th grade year, 16 years old. And, uh, if I can kind of share, share with that, uh, one of the great lessons that I learned through that process, because everything we go through, there are the lessons. If you take the time to look back and first of all, feel blessed where you are, then you can see that there was a reason, a way to get there. And, uh, I was, I was 16 years old. I was, um, uh, <clears throat> we were surrounded the first week or so by these guys promises we were going to be. We're not going to be there in two weeks. And they did everything they could to, to intimidate us, to get us off. One of the guys on the, on the team was, his name was Larry. He was a, he was a bigger guy, older, fast, strong, uh, all state. And he didn't like us at all. And every single day in practice, he was a linebacker, he was a running back. He tried to hurt me. And I had no idea what to do with this guy. So I went to my dad and dad said, Virgie, what you do is, uh, when you run through the line with your football, you find Larry. And you run at him as fast as you can, hit him as hard as you can. <laughs> now, you have to understand, my goal before this little bit of, advice, find Larry and run the opposite way. That was the way I'd proceed. But what happened is a couple of things. Number one, this guy had never experienced that before where somebody actually went at him. Uh, and there was the beginning of respect. And years later, we were in an all-star game and actually had a brief friendship. The most important thing that I learned 
is that when you come down to fear and bullies, you run at it as hard as you can and fast as you can, and good things happen. You don't know how it's going to work out initially, but in the long run, it's going to work out. I think our country is in that position. We're now beginning to realize that we're up against a, an evil en- enemy, and it's not something that we can see. It's not a, a particular color of a uniform or language. It's an ideology of Marxism and socialism that With is Larry. destroying our country. We got to take down Larry on the field. <laughs> take down Larry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's what we do, by the way. It, it's kind of within our DNA. And it's something that I, that's why I'm so proud to be an American. We do things that sometimes we don't know how and why we did it. Just instinctively, we do some things that are right. Uh, we came together in 2016, not really sure about Canada Trump, but we knew what we didn't want. We didn't want this evil of socialism that we saw in the other candidate. So here we are. We got the right person at the right time for the right reasons. And uh, and be honest with you, the way I see it, this process of, first of all, putting our country first and showing people what it is to fight against bullies, we're finally getting there. And so I'm excited about that process. Well, so- Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I also oh, I was, like, <laughs> so I, I, I'm just really fascinated about the progress. So, so high school, then college. How, but how did you choose University of Miami? Because oh, that's so no, still that's, like that's a good see, question. A time. And then we got to like, talk about the football. Just okay. All right. We're talking about Miami first. Okay. Miami first. <laughs> Again, uh, out of a big obstacle, um, we had a really great junior year. This integrated class I went to went to the state championship, and we just knew the next year my senior was going to be great. Came back the next year, everything fell apart. Um, I got. <laughs> hurt a lot of teammates got hurt we uh as a matter of fact had not one uh, not one scholarship offer my senior year in high school and i grew up in tallahassee where you have florida state and florida a m but not one one uh, one offer but what i did is i asked the coach to send some film down to university of miami uh, not because they were, quote, a great college at that time, because they weren't, because it was warmer than it was in Tallahassee. Tallahassee got to 32 degrees one, one winter. I said, I can't go any further north. Than here. <laughs> and and my, my degree was biology. I wanted to get into marine biology, and that was where the water was. That's all I really knew. Oh, cool. So he took this film from a junior year, really good game, my best game of my life, spliced it with a senior year film, sent it down to the University of Miami, and they decided that they wanted me to come down. So that's how I got to the university. Do you still have that tape? I don't. I, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I did. I, I actually, uh, I never saw it. I heard later on that's what he had done. That's cool. It was kind of inspired. And uh, thank goodness. And I signed that, that contract as I'll, soon as I'm I got down. i circle back to that like 32 degree, uh, yeah, I know. making it to Utah later on. Can you, can you believe that? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. How does that work out? Huh? I'll tell you. So you, you, you go to school, you play football for the University of Miami, and then uh, you move on from there. No, wait, because Jeff, just Jeremy wants to hear about football. Well, yeah, that's what we're well, going yeah, that's where oh, going. Okay. The next step. The next okay. step in his football career after the University of Miami. Went, went to the University of Miami, and uh, for four years had four losing seasons. Um, <laughs> and I learned something about that, which is all, again, a good lesson. As frustrating as it was to be on a team that always lost. Uh, you, you, I learned at some point, um, at this, this mantra in my head, it's got to get better than this. It's got to get better than this. If you say that long enough, either you believe it or it happens, I became an eternal optimist and I just played every game as if we were going to win it. And because of that, I was able to get to the Jets. I was first round draft choice of the Jets and played there for seven years. And what year was that? If you don't that mind me. That was 73, 1973. <laughs> And uh, and then later on, the, the Jets for seven years. And you're not- like, crap! I gotta go up to nor'easters and cold. <laughs> well, it took me about a year. It took me about a year to figure out I need to wear socks and get an overcoat. I, I mean, it took me a little longer, but I finally got because I kept getting these colds, couldn't figure it out. But anyway, uh, but anyway, went to uh, uh, I was traded to the Raiders. And uh, for you guys who are probably a little too young to remember those days, the Raiders used to win a lot of football games. Uh, they were known for winning. And I uh, got there at the right time. And I remember I, uh, 
we were supposed to be rebuilding, got there, and lo and behold, we kind of came together, didn't care who got, pre- got credit. My first winning season um, since high school, my first playoff game since high school, I remember sitting in that locker room, and literally sitting in the locker room in a silver bag, getting ready to go out and play the Super Bowl game, and I, I was thinking, I cannot believe I'm sitting here. I mean, it's good, really, this, I'm looking around the room, seeing all these guys that come from places, I mean, the guys I respected, and that was part of that, uh, that process. So we went out, and we actually won, won the game, and that was, uh, that was a, a big one for us, big time. What year was that? That was 1980. 1980. <clears throat> yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. You don't remember those days when Raiders used to win. <laughs> I tell you, there was a time. There was a time. I can prove it. See? Myths and legends. We've heard about this ring. Yeah. Before yeah. they went to Vegas. There we go. So, so uh, and again. I, I, well, yeah, because they're still not there. So, True. And, and let me just say, every every chapter I've gone through, and I'm going to tell you one other chapter that I don't talk about a whole lot, but every chapter is a great lesson. And the lesson that came out of that, I call it my 13th season. Because you add up high school, four years of college, seven years of just, 12 years of losing, the 13th season was a charm. And the way I look at that is everyone has that 13th season in which everything comes together, all the hard work, all the long nights, if you hang in there, but you got to go through the 12 first. And those 12 of those seasons where you just wonder, why in the world, how did this happen? Why am I here? I just I wanted to end this quickly. Uh, and was that, I mean, not only just... Losses, but injuries, and I, I didn't have a lot of injuries. Of course, I didn't have a lot of injuries. I was very, pretty much healthy. But it was the the idea: if you work hard enough, you expect at some point to start winning. <laughs> All right, and you look up at the scoreboard, and every single season, it's the same thing. You are a loser. <laughs> or, oh, uh, Cleveland, gets, Cleveland gets, knows that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it gets it gets a little bit frustrating. So I, I thought I actually thought my seventh year about re- retirement. I was so frustrated about all these years of putting this effort in, being optimistic, and wasn't happening. Thank goodness, I hung in there. And for the next three years, I played with a, a team that I'm just so proud to have been part of. I still have work, good 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 um, good friendships with Ronnie Lott now and Marcus Allen and Mike uh, Mark Haynes. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, Mike Haynes and, and Mark Wilson. A bunch of guys that we came to that same era together. And because of it, there's a bond that's hard to describe. It's hard to explain. So, so I, my my message very simply is that out of out of bad times always come good times. And I like to share one thing that I don't talk about a lot, but I, I like to. <clears throat> I, I, I do it whenever I get a chance, particularly to talk with kids, because when I came out in NFL in in uh, eighty eighty three, uh, I had one of my best seasons. I was an All Pro, uh, going into a free agency season. But I just was so excited about this business that I was going to run. I figured this would be the things that really catapult me to true success. And seven years later, that business went under, went under, big time. And it took everything we had. I left this uh, this uh, this home on Long Island, indoor pool and. Not indoor, outdoor, in, in ground, green ground pool, um, luxury cars to a one bedroom apartment to, for a few months in Brooklyn, New York with four kids and, uh, not knowing what in the world I was going to do. And I was, I was blessed to have come to that community again where I was taught any job that is hard and honest is a good job. So no job was beneath me. And I remember looking through the, those are days before the, you know, you don't have. When you had to actually, oh, yeah, I, I, I actually paper. newspaper and, and, and circle it. <laughs> the penny saver. And call, and call that number. And, and the words are so tiny. Oh, yeah, really. <laughs> and, and they'd be cost per letter. And so some of those ads were really not very descriptive. Job available. <laughs> well, job. well, let me tell you, I was willing to do any job uh, because I, I knew that uh, that's what we were taught as men. You do what you have to do. So I was, I was a chimney sweep for a little bit. Uh, during the day and during the night, I was a security guard. It was one of the most humbling things I've ever gone through. But one thing that came to mind, I remember 
standing in the basement and looking outside the, the window there and hearing gunfire outside, I knew because of my understanding of this country, my God, that this was going to be temporary. I knew some kind of way. I didn't know how the door was going to open, but it was going to happen. And that's really what the American dream is all about. It's it's not that we don't go through down times. It's how do we think our way through those tough times to know there's going to be a better way. That, and uh, that's a that's a heck of a, a transition to go from a ten year pro NFL career, which is really long, by the way. That's a really really long NFL. So career. it's a long a long enough time to get very cocky. All right. <laughs> but, I mean, it really is. It really is because most NFL players, I mean, most guys that make it to the NFL, yeah. they're there for less than three years. That's so true. 10 years, uh, that's 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 astounding to, to be in the NFL for, for 10 years. And then to have a business for, for, you know, seven after that and to go from, you know, where an NFL player, I mean, sure, it wasn't quite the same then as it is now maybe, but still you're going from being an NFL star to – Having nothing, yeah, you know. Over the and and, and of, I'll tell you the thing, the thing that that I really and I, when I sing and being cocky, I I really sincerely meant that. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, no, no. What happens when you have success and you and you uh, even though you might think you're kind of humble, you have enough success, you've had it long enough, you really believe that anything you do, you work hard enough, you'll get it. And so I left the NFL as a, a very cocky liberal. Uh, end up now I'm a very um, I humbled and appreciative a conservative. I appreciate those those opportunities I had the chance to go through. And my message very simply is it's so important <clears throat> that if I can do it, you can do it. My message when I talk to my kids that I work with, I work with uh, at-risk kids now coming out of the juvenile system. And I tell that story because they un- I have to understand that everybody goes through downtimes. <clears throat> and if I can make it from being a chimney sweep to now running for Congress, you can do it from wherever you are. It's just a matter of what your attitude is and what you make, what you make through it. Now, let me just make one other point. <clears throat> because the way this, this process works, it doesn't take forever to get a, another footing. Uh, just a few months after, um, <clears throat> after my getting into this, uh, chimney sweep thing, I just had the inspiration to go to DC. And I went down to DC and happened to, as I was walking into a, a particular building, this friend was walking out. And that was my beginning of becoming a, a, an, an account rep, a corporate account rep. He said, Burgess, uh, I work with WordPerfect. They, they have an opportunity that make, you might like. I said, listen, give them a call on Monday. I know how you got to Utah now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do I. Yeah. As soon as you said WordPerfect. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I exactly. used to work with WordPerfect. Seriously. Okay, well, I miss the uh, revealing my codes so easily. Uh, well, For those of you youngins that don't know, there was a company called Corel, and they oh, had yeah. programs WordPerfect and Quattro, Quattro Pro, Pro. Oh, which my. were I learned that before language, I learned Excel. Back, back in the, at home now. Yeah, back in the late '80s, early '90s, yeah. they were heavy competitors uh, to Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft and Apple actually had had really been using those, and eventually they completely folded years and years later. But. Yeah, but that was that was the beginning of uh, the corporate environment. I started off with WordPerfect, which is an unbelievable, remarkable company. There'll be nothing like it ever again. Uh, I believe that. As a sales rep, we didn't have to know how to sell; just how to be good people. <laughs> That's how we made our income: be good people. Uh, my last my, my last corporate job was with Motorola as a national account rep for Motorola. So I had that experience, but I've always had a business for forty years. I've had some kind of entrepreneurial effort. I believe very simply this: I never want to be out of control. Um, and I know as long as somebody else is writing a check, 
I'm not in total control. Even when NFL, I, I, I had to hope next year that I'm going to still be worth it. Okay. Mm-hmm. With Word Perfect, next year I hope, I want to have, I want to always have something going on. So when, when we talk about the, the power of the small business owner, I can't speak high enough about that. What you guys are doing right now, sometimes it's kind of way you came together, you can't get, maybe we can do this and work this out. And before you know it, started to build. Your dreams start to get a little bigger, and before you know it, you can take that from different places. That's the American way: is dreaming, and then overcome the obstacles, realizing that you are you're, you're you're arriving to that point, and then dreaming some more. So that's what makes our country great, and that's why we have to really fight at these these times to save our business owners because they're under attack. Because the Marxist wants to destroy our middle class, and they do that by destroying businesses. I want to know while you've had these chimney sweep jobs besides if you saying while you were a chimney sweep. Was it sweep. like Mary Poppins? Was it like Mary Poppins? <laughs> but that's not my question, but I'm glad we're on the same page. Um, I, I did have a Mary Poppins experience. Let me tell you. I got Now that you're brought up, I remember standing on the top of this this uh, this, this roof, cleaning the chimney, and this guy came out. He just happened to be a, an old uh, jet fan. And we have to remember, I lived, I played with the Jets for seven years. Yeah. That's that was, that was, so it wasn't too, you know, it was, you know, so those who were Jet fans remember me. Because and you were he, probably one of the best players on a crappy team uh, for seven well, years. Well, I'll say this. He recognized, <laughs> he, he recognized me. I remember him just sitting there staring. That's Burgess Owens in my roof. So you're talking about those humbling experiences, something I will never forget, but it's just what you do. <laughs> you do what you well, that's do. funny because that actually was my question was through each of these jobs. I mean, think about how we look at our, our sports players now, like how recognizable even to this day, you know, are people still like, I, I know you, like you made an impact on me or I loved you playing football, like through that whole time. Did, I mean, did you get that? Well, you know, it was, Besides. A, it was a different day in which a character really meant a lot. Uh, and that's, that's, that's what I do miss. I miss when families, when we have moms and dads, uh, and this is what's happening, unfortunately, to so, so many in the black community. Dads are no longer around. I talked about the fact that 70% of black men married the, the mother of their the children back in my day. Now it's just opposite. There's a, there's a 70% desertion rate. So you have all these kids running around without fathers. And the, the idea of character and discipline and control is not something that's in their mindset. Uh, we were taught, you control yourself, you respect women. I don't care what, what they say, what they do. An adult says something to you, you say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and come and tell us so we can talk about it. But it was a matter, matter of fact, in my school, if I got in trouble with my third and fourth grade teachers, it wasn't even an option of whether I can convince my dad that I was not wrong. <laughs> I was wrong, period. Why? Because they're adults. My, my point is, that's what we're missing today. And that's what happened when you have uh, the elitists. And I say that very, very strongly because that's what turned my society upside down. It wasn't white supremacists. It was black elitists. Those who made laws when they got to, to got to Congress that made sure it was tougher to get out of poverty, made laws that made sure that our kids would not be educated, did not have the choice of going to a, a good school to get the education. Those things that I grew up with, most kids today in the state of California, 75% of the black boys in the state of California cannot pass standard reading and writing tests. Now, imagine that. Means the kids that will never be part of a space program, could never have a conversation like we're having now because they don't know how to communicate. They'll never read the scriptures, so never make that connection. That's what we're up against. It's an ideology of evil that looks at people and make them miserable so they get more power. And that's actually, you're talking about the, the reason I got started 
that's why I'm decided to run because I realize that the kids I've been working with do not have a chance um, if we don't get back to house. Can you talk? Is that um, you mentioned before we got onto the mics uh, about your nonprofit? Is that um, what your nonprofit is? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, I, I've, I was uh, I was first, first fortunate to have this this connection with my dad. We've all had this belief that our kids is our future. So over the years, we've had these conversations and models we want to put together. How can we help our kids to, to get their confidence again, to live like I did with that kind of community? And so when I came out here, this was the place, a place that can really help um, the, in terms of a model for the rest of our country. Utah is so unique in so many ways. The first thing is we, lo- we love our kids. Not just love them, we see a, a great future. So everybody's focused on youth. Youth is a big, big deal, big deal. And well, we have an invisible generation of kids that many people don't know about. Those ones going through the juvenile system. And there's a 70% recidivism rate, which they come out and go back in 70% of the time because there's no, no chance, chance of transition. There's no focus of how to change what they think or opportunities. Most of them leave with this record. They can't get a job. Those kind of things. They go right into criminal adulthood. My brother yeah. is, is yeah. a shining example of that. And you know what? If, if we don't stop the process and, and change what they think, this is the way they think. Just like right now, I'm an eternal optimist because I was trained to be one. So no matter what happens, I'm going to be an eternal optimist. There's another side of that. If you're not trained to do that, you can be an eternal pessimist. That's and, my dad. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's the, here's the deal. Uh, what, what we started with something called Second Chance for Youth. And, uh, what we've been doing is working with, uh, kids coming out, uh, not only mentoring in, uh, life skills, but job opportunities from USANA to Power Blanket to, I mean, you name it. Brenda has been really helpful for us with, with that matter of fact. And, and, and what's so cool, it's so neat, you see kids coming out and all of a sudden they're beginning to fulfill their dreams of getting a job and they can see that as a career, not just a job. And then you can take these pictures of these kids that are coming out and six months, eight months later, you can take it back to the guys that are still there. And it just gives them inspiration. It's amazing that, that their light, the eyes just open and say, wait a minute, is that Fabian? Is that J- uh, Jamie? Are you serious? And so that's the way it works. Uh, it's the idea of, again, if, if I can do it, you can do it. When people see other folks achieving and they know that they can achieve the same thing, it just gives that little bit extra. extra. Was, the pro- was it a program that was already <clears throat> active or did you help? Build that up. We we build it here. It's a it's a Utah Utah uh, based uh, uh, um, non for profit, and and the way I see it, and actually what I'm doing now is kind of part of that. I, I, I make the tradition transition to doing what I'm doing. Part of that was I did not want to break my word um, to move on to doing this when I had promised. Uh, and my my mission is to help these kids out. So. What I realize is that what I'm doing now can give a national platform for kids who really don't have a platform because the juvenile system is based on a state by state uh, process. Mm-hmm. So we might do good here, but you know, we have another state that they don't have the same best practices. They might have a different ideology, a different, um, uh, end game for our kids. And unfortunately, we have people that really don't care about kids that still work with kids. That's just, this is reality. You look at the education system. You have teachers. They're great teachers. My, my dad was a teacher. My mom, we have teachers who do it because it's a job. They, and they're looking for their, their time off and all that. We need to make sure that we have the best practices so that the end product are our kids and everything we do. And in this case here, um, I see my new position once I'm elected as a way to bring this visibility and uh, a national attention to the fact that kids across the country, that's our future. And if we get kids who have not had hope before 
once they get it, boy, they'll never go back. They'll be the ones that said, man, my kids will never go through what I went through, and they'll make sure it works out for them. So we know Carell brought you to Utah. <laughs> what kept you here? Uh, because, you know, like you said. That's a good question. At this point now, you've lived in New York, yeah. and you've actually experienced cold for years. So you're probably more <laughs> acclimated to it. But what, what kept you here? Because that's a, you that's weren't a, at Carell that's, forever. That's a great question. Because when I, when I was working with Word Perfect, Carell, um, I was actually uh, an area manager for the Philadelphia area. So I, I lived in the Philadelphia, um, uh, Delaware area. And... Uh, and then I ended up, we raised my six kids there for 23 years. I made a, made a promise as they started coming out of high school. Um, and the first came out in 98. The promise was, my, my deal was you can look at any college across the country as long as you start off your first year in Utah because of the values. Very simple. It was about, I went to University of Miami, party school. I didn't want them to go through that. <laughs> I have to try to come out of it. <laughs> so I want to have a soft landing. And, um, so they start coming out one at a time. The last one came out, I think in 2000. 10 and I remember being at my, my home office and uh, with my cat at the time and I said you know these kids aren't coming back home I mean I was, I was already I had the home the, the rooms were still there, there for them and figured they'd come out of college and come on back home but they decided not to so we decided to follow them so we came out in um, in 2013 so, so what, almost what, seven did years did they all go to the same college out here four went to BYU two of them actually graduated from there the, the other two graduated from UVU and they had a, another one who went down further south so, which so, one? Which school? Um, uh, Southern Utah. Southern Utah. That's where my daughter just graduated from. Okay, Southern Utah. Yeah. Well, Brett, Brett, Brett was the only boy. I have five girls and one boy. And uh, that, is he the youngest? The uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he was. He was the third. He was the two girls first, then Brett, and then we made a deal. We're going to have one more boy and call it quits. Three girls later, we called it quits. <laughs> so, <laughs> couldn't quite get that. So I, I had that conversation with Brett. He was old enough. Said, "Brett, listen, we tried, buddy, but you have to hold on to this name and do it well. Do it well." So, <laughs> oh man, those girls must love him. Oh uh, no, it's, you know, and that that actually, when you look back on it, by the way, I think you guys all recognize this. Those years go away by way, way too fast. So enjoy it. Those who are listening to my voice, if they're still at home, enjoy them, all right, because it goes way too fast. And the great thing now as a grandpa is that uh, to see how close my kids are, and they love to get together. And that's really the benefits of all those trips, all those the sacrifices we make, all those sitting down and budgeting, figure out, can I make this happen? It shows up. You know, uh, a little bit later on when the, when they're off and doing their own thing. So, so you have uh, on your I, – I think you kind of touched on – He's he's got to be somewhere. I'm having so much fun. Oh, minutes, and it's gonna take. Four I just to and, wrap this up. It, I, I Google mapped it, and it's like 23 right. minutes travel time. So, so we're, gonna, we're gonna ask you one more question. Okay. Uh, right. We ask every guest that's on this show. You've you've made your home here. It sounds like mostly because your kids decided to not leave, <laughs> <laughs> and it's easier to come to your kids than have all of your different kids come to you. Um, so what's one thing that uh what what's one thing um that you wouldn't be able to live without in Utah? <clears throat> oh boy. Uh I guess I can I can summarize it uh in one word because it's actually what I grew up in it's a culture. You know, and and that's something sometimes we take for granted here. Um uh we really do take for granted. I don't because I know what it is not to have to have and have it. I also know it is to, to have been raised in it. I had this culture that I was raised in of safety, of vision, of business owners all around me, of people saying you can make this thing happen no matter what the obstacles are, and respect. Respect for God, country, family, women particularly. Uh it was no it was no excuse. So that was the culture. And I think what 
what what kind of brought me here, not only the kids, but as I came out and I spent time, I just felt that same old feeling of being at home. So it, it's just it's just a nice thing, and and I, again, this is my last this is my last stop. I don't think about it any place else, and uh, I'm just thankful. The miracle is all my six kids are here, <laughs> and, four, and fourteen grands. That's the true miracle. That not not the people who pull that's, that one off. That's <laughs> <a> <laughs> yet to leave where they grew up. Yeah, come think about it. Else and, 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 and it's not. We never had a com- not once we had a conversation. One day we moved to Utah. Never thought about that. <laughs> Was not a topic of conversation. That's that's so. wild. That's wild. So you you are running for the fourth congressional district. Um, that's actually the district that that we vote in. Me too. Um, so um, we'll give you a chance before you leave to uh, let people know what you're all about. Okay. Uh, if they haven't figured out some of that already through our conversation and where to find more and info on you. And okay, uh, you can find me at Burgess for Utah dot com. And I, I will say the thing that that I feel confident in is my message is one that brings us together. You know, it's something about our nation. We, the people, we're remarkable in that we have this DNA that kind of pulls us and draws us together, even though it's very, very different, and even though there's different messages as we grow up. We kind of find a way to pull ourselves together, and that's why every single generation is better than the last at looking at each other from inside out versus outside in, every single generation. And I can say that from, from generations backward in the 60s, the things we're doing now, we wouldn't have this conversation. We wouldn't be here like we are right now in the 60s. So, so... The things I would like people to remember is what will bring us together, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, the other four tenets that made my community such a great community it was. And that's head, heart, hands, and home. It's real simple. Head, heart, hands, and home. Head is education. Heart is faith. Hands is industry. And uh, home is family. If we understand that, um, educated and free, uh, ignorant and free can never be. That was one of our founders, Thomas Jefferson. As we become more educated, we think better outside the box, become critical thinkers. We ask the questions why. We don't get upset when we are frustrated because we can't articulate ourselves, which is what happens on the other I side. I have great news, you guys. Your event was canceled, so you can stay longer <laughs> if you want. <laughs> so, so we have education, and, and it's educated people that overcome obstacles throughout our history. Faith is imperative, and that's what the left wants to take away from us. There's no question. With faith comes hope. And with faith comes the idea that if we do nothing else but just help, help allow, and doesn't matter how we worship him, what we can do to get the most blessings from our Heavenly Father, in the process of doing that, we realize we have to bless others to do that. So it's just, it's an interesting process that we have to go through. Now, industry, I think we now understand we are people did not like take a year vacation. We need to work. It's within our DNA. We go nuts without having a chance to go out and produce. And, uh, and it's, I think it's a great example. Now that we see that across the board, we have people that literally tell us, demand that we don't work because they want us to be dependent. That's, that's the fight that we've been fighting for a long time in a most subtle way, though. Are you saying your platform <laughs> is on more vacations? Because I'll vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens? Interesting. <laughs> vacations we work hard for, we save for. And then after a while, we say, okay, okay, I think this has been long enough. Let me go back to work. <laughs> so, and that's where we're at. And the last one is, is family. Uh, everything we do, it comes down to one simple thing is our legacy. What, what does our family look like when we leave this earth? It, are we a blessing? Is my name respected? Is something that, that my, my kids are proud to hold on to and take to another level? Uh, it's our legacy with our kids. And that's the family is everything. As our family goes, so is our, uh, is our country. That's why we have to make sure that we're fighting for those whose family has been um, disrupted. What the left has done to minority organizations, they have, they have, they have destroyed the family unit and have done it consistently, 
um, stealth, still with stealth and over time. So we get that family. We talk about what's happening right now. At the last little point, what's going around our country. Obviously, we need to have law and order, but we, te- we have law and order when people can respect law and order. When we have young people to understand respect and authority. That's the beginning. You don't fight authority. <clears throat> um, and in the, the day, we need to have a families that are strong again where moms and dads are working together, showing what, how, how, how imperfect people can still do good things and that we have unconditional love because we understand what the family stands for. So we get that together, um, across the board and, and we will be the greatest thing against the fighting against the enemy in that process. Since we have, can we borrow, can we keep you for a little bit longer since you, since your event was canceled? No, no. Is that okay? Can we ask you a couple more questions? It, it wasn't canceled, was it? No, he texted me Seriously? and said it was canceled. Oh Check my goodness. your message. Maybe you have a message on your phone. Oh gosh, sure. <laughs> oh yeah. If it's, I mean, I thought you were joking. I right? wasn't joking. Okay. Let me see what he uh, said. He said that you can probably stay a few more minutes now. I so that. I know. It's entirely up to you. We're not going to hold you to it. <laughs> Tonight's event is canceled. Wow. Oh, yeah, let's do that it, guys. I have time. I, I yeah. just want to know because you clearly speak so highly of your of your parents, um, going back to being 14, 15 year, years old in the South and they were teachers. You said, how was that conversation to them to say, Hey, we want to take your family and we want to put them in this new situation. Like I just feel as a parent, you well, would this, just be so like, no, this, yes, I want to make change, but Oh, these are my babies. Well, this is what you have to understand. And this was every family. Uh, we make decisions based on what we're trained and what we're th- taught to do. No, uh, if my dad were to look back now and see what has happened, he would be totally disgusted. Uh, because let me, let me kind of give you a little background again on, on dad. Um, this was that generation that went from poverty, all their parents, to a, a, a fresh, brand new middle class. Uh, dad came back from the war. Uh, he, he said it, what, 18, 19 years old, he said the greatest decision he ever made was to go to war, to volunteer for, for the war. Why? Because when he came back, first of all, there was a confidence that those black soldiers came back with that they were going to be proud of who they were because they did ev- everything everybody else did. <clears throat> Second thing is that there was the GI Bill. And uh, he had wanted to get his postgraduate. He couldn't do it down in Tallahassee, I mean, in uh, Texas where he was raised because of Jim Crow laws. Mm-hmm. And I ran across this box after he passed away, I ran across this box of rejection letters. <clears throat> never brought it up, never talked about it. And these are all the colleges that he had applied for to get his graduate degree, and they'd return him down. And it's all because of his color. Mm. But they were tenacious, and they used it as a motivation. That is something that's going to drag him down. So he ended up getting his degree in Ohio State. He got a PhD at Ohio State. His older brother got his PhD. Um, his dad got his in agronomy or agriculture. Uh, Uncle Ewan got his in, in, uh, in economics. And they both were college professors for the next 40 years. Mm-hmm. Not only college professors, but uh, because they understood the importance of having control, they were also entrepreneurs. They owned property, apartments. Uh, my dad um, had a 400-acre farm. He lived the last, what, 30 years, um, five spring-fed lakes. <clears throat> His goal was to take kids out to this farm to really show them, to have them think through how science works. You know, um, uh, how, how, do, how does a, 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 um, uh, you know, solar energy work, uh, a windmill, all those things that we, we talked about doing because he knew critical thinking, the, the idea of getting kids to ask the question, why? That's the beginning of true critical thinking. When you don't ask the question why, <clears throat> but just obey obediently, that's the beginning of slavery. And that's what's happened to my community. You have too many kids <clears throat> through the propaganda 
of BET and and NS NS in 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 CNN anyway and the rest of them they have actually where they're not even thinking they see something and they just automatically get angry there's no control so they go out and think but breaking into other people's property is is okay because they're they're they are um, owed it. And that's the real fight. Uh, uh, we are not a country that's been built on entitlement. We are built a country that's been built on meritocracy. And we gain uh, strength and respect. The way that reason why the NFL and, and the NBA and all those broke down the barriers of segregation early, because to win, you need to get the best talent. And the end, the end of the day was not what the talent looked like. Was the, the end of the day was winning. You begin to win. You'll pull together. You respect each other. You make it happen. Before you know, you look at it and say, "Wow, I didn't, forgot you were white. I forgot you were black." That's the way the real world works. I could definitely see how your dad would be frustrated because you didn't come from, you know, you were well established, and I'm sure in his brain, if he was here today, he would be like, it "Doesn't have to be like this." Like, <laughs> well, I, I remember one of the conversations I had with dad. Um, his frustration as a college professor with the kind of kids who were beginning to come into his classroom that were not prepared, that were entitled, that wanted to sit there for a year and be moved on just because they were sitting there for a year. And the problem was not only the kids, but the deans that wanted them to do that. So there's there's two factors here. Um, what we have in our country is not systemic racism. We have systemic elitism. We have people who literally care more about themselves and their profit, their prestige, and they look down on other folks and they'll use them. So we have in our, my, my case here, <clears throat> we had that great middle class. The first thing they did, um, we were trained to do when integrate, when, uh, when integration came is to leave my black, the black community and go to white schools or white communities or white businesses because we were told that was a cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. All right. That we were, we were trained to think <clears throat> that for some reason, this is what this certain group of people are training us to think this way. That for some reason, <clears throat> um, even, even the way integration was looked at, I want you guys to remember this. Think about this. <clears throat> if there are good black high schools, which they were, good black colleges, which they were, <clears throat> producing and making good things happen, why is integration only going in one direction? <clears throat> why is blacks only going to white schools versus whites coming to black schools? Well, that concept is one is inferior and one is superior. That's the only way that works. And we had the NAACP, National Association for Advancement of Colored People, not started by black people, by the way, in 1910. It was started by 21 white socialist Marxist racist race control Democrats. And it came along at the same time the black community was one of the most competitive, being entrepreneurs, being Christian-based, moving forward. And these folks came in and hijacked it. And then turned it around so that our true success was what we have now, a little a group of black leaderships that represent the entire race, and, uh, and our success basically is how close can we get to the white community? Not how proud we can be of the black community. Not how can the black community become manufacturers, business owners. Instead, we become consumers. We go from 40% business ownership to 3.8%. And where do those others go to? Well, we weren't big, big in federal government during the time I grew up. Now we have the biggest, biggest ratio of blacks in federal government. And of course, with federal government comes, I mean, there's a lot of good people there, but again, there's a different mindset. You go to job, you get your work, you get paid, guaranteed. You get your seven seven days or whatever the, the time off vacation. Uh, you have a union that's backing you up that you'll never get fired, particularly if you are really lazy. You don't get fired. <clears throat> and it, uh, my, my point is there's a different mindset. 
And it's only through business ownership can we break out to truly not only get the American dream done, but show how it's done. And those people get it. They turn back and they want to give back to other people. So anyway, that was a, another long question. Sorry, to I, I, I had a great talk with your, I believe that he's your campaign manager. That Jesse? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, and, and we, we had a conversation about the way that people still, uh, view black people and the comments that come through on a daily basis to any piece of your social media. And he said, it doesn't bother him. He's used to it. And I said, words still hurt. Like with as much as you want to say that it doesn't, you know, it's, it's still, can I say, can I say still to that? there. Can but I say something to that? Yes. And then it, I'll finish. It, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> But but that's but that's no, not, I'll, I'll, but, tell you, I'll tell you why I'll tell you why. Maybe this in a is my heart, yeah. and and so I guess my question is, how how do you get people to to, to see differently? Because that I I don't. I guess my question is that it's you know through all of this is it nature or is it nurture? Because yeah. Yeah. you know you see the the cute little video i think it came out last year of the, the little white kid and the little black kid running down the yeah. street to hug we, each we other saw, we all saw you know, it. yeah we all and saw it was it. and it was so incredible and so seeing all of this happen the last um i mean unfortunately it's been ongoing but really escalated over the last week um because of uh george floyd's death yeah. Yeah. uh you know it, it just it's so interesting to me where that comes from and you have to deal with it every day well, th apparently this, this is i think where where we have to understand and i i totally get it uh i was just blessed again i was blessed to growing up during the time i did where names i was told early and i got it names sticking stones can hurt your bones but names will never, never harm you because uh, I experienced it, so I know what that looks like. I also had a dad that was uh, very much anti-elitist. He was very much into helping poor kids particularly. Um, so that was my training. So the nurture piece was there. But I'll tell you why it works so effective for the leftists, for those who hate our country, those who hate each other. These are the true races, by the way. The people who look at each other's color and then call them names because of it. <clears throat> Uncle Tom or racist because you happen to be a conservative. These are the true races, but this is how they get away with it. When you take God out of the picture, there's no shame. There's no conscience. The end game is power. The end game is to win. So it's not that they're having, they want to have a conversation. It's not they're trying to have, and this is where we get caught up. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking they truly want to have a conversation to figure out how to get there. No, they want you to shut up. And what happens with good people, the last thing you want to do be done is call a racist. I and mean, the first thing that happens is this. I'm not a racist. I mean, I mean, I mean look at me. So to defend, to defend ourselves, we don't want our friends to think that because we, we we work so hard to get our reputation, our business, all those things. And all of a sudden, we're trying to defend and talk these people out of it. Those people who hurl it at you because they have nothing else to say. We're talking about education. If you're not educated, you can't think. You have no critical thinking skills. You get very frustrated. So what you do, you, you hurl filthy language and then try to beat somebody up. That's Atifa. These are people who are truly, in their soul, angry, dark-hearted people. And they, they could care less about trying to convince someone to help black people. They're right now going in and, and, and destroying the infrastructure in these black communities. Think about this. Business owners trying to build their community up, doing a good job of it, and they come in from outside and destroy the infrastructure. And then they, have, then they pay these kids to come in and loot behind them. So between 
this is the factors we have. We have peaceful people trying to, to, to voice their opinion, which we all agree, by the way. This is not a contention, this last incident with George. We all understand this was evil, period. No one, no one's fighting that issue. The other thing is that police are not systemically racist. Uh, and this whole thing of bru- uh, police brutality is a, is a myth. Um, <clears throat> I just happen to know some of the numbers. First of all, you have nine un, uh, in the, in the, in the three, 200, uh, 340 million interactions police have with uh, blacks across the country, people across the country, across the board. You have nine blacks last year that were, that were unarmed, they were killed by a policeman. You have over, was it 2,000, 2,000 killed by black people. But, you know, it, it, in other words, the, the, the point I'm making is that if you look at the numbers, that doesn't equate. We have a we have a community in particular. I see what I when I've talked to a lot of policemen, they love going in and servicing their community, no matter what the color might look like. And it as long as they're present, those who are law abiding in those communities want safety. We all want safety. We want somebody to protect us. We don't want to have kids running through the neighborhood doing drugs and and they're sitting on the corner. Not if you that's your neighborhood. So we have to fight back on the narrative. Number one. And uh, and recognize that what the left wants to do is to make us feel that we are guilty for other people's issues and their and their responses to the way they handle life. I got your perfect response. Anytime somebody brings up Uncle Tom, you just say, "That's so 168 years ago." <laughs> <laughs> it is well, and actually, and actually, you know, that's kind of the the the, the uh, response to give. So listen, uh, we're so over that. Uh, you know, that's old school now. Find something else because that's not going to work for me anymore. <laughs> and the good thing is this: this is what's good news. We have um, we have things like the Black Blexit. That's Candace Owens and the Walk Away. The black community is walking away, running away from the from this uh, plantation in a way that's never been seen before. We're recognizing because we've had so much success, and I don't know if you guys are aware of the success, <clears throat> but it's important to point this out because every American wants to know that their lives can get better as we move forward. Uh, we at the beginning of this year, the unemployment rate for blacks, Hispanics, Asians, women, veterans. And teens were the lowest we have had in our history of our country. The, the employment rate was the highest ever in our history of our country. We had in two years, 400% increase in business, black business ownership. Then you know what that says when you think about it? 400% increase means that so many people are saying, I'm hopeful. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to get out there and build a business. I'm going to leave some for my kids and it's a whole different ball game. So that's again, that building up the middle class. And, um, if those who truly want to, to kind of come down to solutions and find solutions for the all of our Americans help them find a way to get hope to build businesses and uh, and leave a legacy for themselves do you ever wish that you were a marine biologist <laughs> <laughs> you know what I uh, no I don't <laughs> I um I, I I used to be a very strong introvert too. By the way, I was I was one of those guys coming out of high school who made a promise that I'll never speak to more than two people at one time because it's just just too stressful, <laughs> too many too many opportunities to make mistakes. Here we are with four. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I my my third year in college, I, I spent an entire summer uh, down in in um, in the Keys uh, doing research, and I realized it's just well, was it me to be away from everything, everybody? People love being some people love being in the lab. Um, I found it at, at, at the end of the day with everything I just talked about being a, in there. Whales talk. What's that? I said whales talk. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what happened, uh, is I actually, and by the way, my, my study was on spider crabs. 
Yeah, how about that gas pipe? Have you had, did you know there was such thing as spider crabs? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we 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 spent a entire summer uh, capturing them and, and dissecting them and look at what they were eating, all that kind of stuff. And uh, but but to say the least. Uh, what I'd never, ever, ever, ever thought I'd do in life because of my personality at the time and part of why I was drawn to this, this laboratory thing is I never thought I'd be in sales. And the last, what, 24, five years I was in sales, you know, as, as, as a corporate. So you, you find you have talents out there. You just have to sure. take that step and figure out if you can make it. I was forced to because it was better to be in a chimney sweep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Yeah, my daughter just got her degree. Um, in biology, so. really, well, maybe she yeah. needs a job as a chimney sweep, and then she'll... okay. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> she will relate to this then, because my last, my very last course was math, which I hated. Yeah, she's doing. She has to do her calculus now because SUU switched over to a trimester, so she yeah. didn't get her class in. There you go. My, and, and the other one was organic chemistry, which I <laughs> I struggled to did get that through. already. There we go. Okay, see, so there we go. We could have some good talks. Well, <laughs> <laughs> she was mad because uh, because of COVID, they didn't get to have labs and they were going oh. to they were going to grow a chicken without a shell like they were going to grow the embryo that would have been so cool yeah she didn't get to do it oh my goodness well my, my biology is coming out and now i just got for all my kids oh i have five girls my five girls and they all have kids so i bought them this um this little deal where you, you start with a caterpillar and they grow up and they become a butterfly so they're now at the chrysalis stage, chrysalis oh, stage. Nice. And they actually knew, they, 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 they now know the chrysalis. I just taught my 10-year-old what the word metaphor, met, metamorphosis was last night. So I said, go tell, <laughs> go tell your mom, and she's going to be so impressed when you say that word. So, <laughs> so. Those are like the cool thing to have right now. My cousin's doing that with her kids, too. So and Growing it, butterflies? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I just got to figure out what the next, because they're, they're going through that now. The next one. <laughs> so I need to figure out what the Tadpoles. next project. Tadpoles. Tadpoles are really good too. Yeah, very. I like that. We, we I like that. We grew those when where I yeah, grew up. Yeah, because those that's a really big metamorphosis. Well, too. and you get to see that, that change. change. That, all right, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll go online and see if I can get me some of those. That's awesome. Because yeah, I can't. I can't a, wait. This has been kind of cool. Look at that. That's yeah. A, I, didn't even, I did that when I was a kid just for fun. We used to catch snakes and bullfrogs and everything else where we grew up. So. We bring home a like, you know, like the fish bowls, like the glass fish bowls. We would bring home a glass fish full full of snakes and frogs, oh and, boy. and like put them on the back porch. And I was like, "What are you doing?" I know those are baby rattlesnakes. Why are you bringing those here? Yeah, they're just snakes. The things fine. we do as kids, I tell you. Yeah, she told me that one time when I was real little, like two or three. Um, I'm out front in the garden and I bring in a garden snake that has a rat in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you were pretty bold. And she kid. was freaking out. I could see that. I could see freaking out on that one. That's uh that's a step further than I think I'd be ready well, to I go. Picked, I just picked it up. I was, I, I was just saying, like, oh. You're to, such a boy. Well, and so because so, we go, I grew up in a little town in Wyoming and um, right along the Green River, and we used to go crawfish hunting in the Green River. You don't eat those crawfish, by the way. They're not like <laughs> they're not like good southern crawfish. Yeah, they're really yeah. gross, muddy crawfish. <laughs> we would bring home like a bucket of crawfish and tell our mom to cook it, and then they would be dead by the time she would get close to dinner, and she was never going to cook. <laughs> <laughs> they were just in a bucket of water. Well, the, the good old days, you just kind of go out there, and summertime was endless. Uh, as long as you know you had to be close to home when they said time to eat, you know, yeah. it was amazing those good old days. And uh, uh, kids it, don't get that very much anymore. Well, you know, and I, I tell you, we talked about earlier um, what all all communities want and all families want that idea of safety and security. 
so that you can do things. You're not thinking what what worse can happen. And unfortunately, we're, we're coming to it at that point. <clears throat> a lot of it's because we've been, we've been losing faith over the years, and people don't know that there are parameters that, that they can stay within, that they can truly be better people and get better results and not be angry. And uh, unfortunately, that's, that's what we have to make sure we fight for because um, that's how culture is best based on that. <clears throat> and I, I think it kind of came to a head when you started thinking about this this last uh, virus. Not only do you have governors who think it's within their power to tell businesses to shut down, which they did, <clears throat> and a lot of people went out of business will never come back. But think about making business essential, like Walmart, and making churches non-essential. Why? Because they don't think it is essential. Uh, for those of faith, it's, it's everything that's uh, very essential. And all we have to do, just like the Walmart does, just like the pharmacy does, you let people figure out how to make it happen. At the end of the day, it's all about a safe environment. And you leave, you leave it to the people who control that environment, who care about their other folks. They're going to do everything they can. They will dictate. They will mandate. They will make sure and encourage. And those environments will, will be okay. But you take, you take away people's faith uh, they do some crazy things. Uh, they don't like themselves. They give up. And, uh, and it's sad that we have, uh, uh, some of these, um, these governors and, and, um, mayors that don't quite get that. Well, Burgess, this has been a fantastic conversation. Yeah, I'm glad we got a couple more minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That sounds great. How can people get a hold of you? Well, go to Burgess4Utah.com. It's the number four. Hey, number four, exactly. Do you guys remember the four tenets, the test time? Mm-hmm. What do you yes. say? Well, Head, you said two different heart, things. Hand, hands, and, and home. home. No, right. You got it. See, just like that. <laughs> I didn't That's remember how simple. That's how simple it is. And guess what? That describes the vision of our, our founders. That describes the American way. That cons- the, describes conservatism, um, happiness, those tenets. And I tell you, boy, every culture's come here that's done that has done really good in this country. So anyway, so Burgess4Utah.com. Um, we just had a uh, debate uh, last night that we'll have on our, we're going to upload on our system there. Uh, go there and you see, you see interviews with uh, Candace Owens, um, uh, Sean Hannity, um, Glenn Beck. Mike, I have a really good one with Mike, Mike, uh, Mike, uh, Mike um, Huckleby, which I talk about the four tenets. I'll go through that a little bit. So if you get a chance, um, go there, uh, volunteer. Uh, we always could use more money. I mean, this is something that we never run. Congress. Yeah, and, our, and our, <laughs> my competitor is, um, is Ben McAdams. Uh, and let me just say this for the 4th District. 4th District is 13-plus uh, Republican. There's no way a... Democrat should ever be there, particularly one that supports Pelosi, um, AOC, and uh, Shift. Uh, it just doesn't doesn't make sense. So we have to be engaged. That's one thing that I think happened the last time. We just kind of didn't show up, and the other side did. So we have to make sure. I've got my little friend here. <laughs> Chopper. Yeah, I got my little friend. <laughs> he's liking this ear thing. He's, he's, <laughs> he, he is a, a glutton for attention to yeah, those people. Yeah. So anyway, that being said, uh, I was distracted for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, uh, yeah, let's, let's make sure guys that, um, those are listening. We are truly in the fight of, of the heart and soul of our nation. This is a time we don't have to get up and, uh, get arms and, and, uh, go shoot at people. Just engage yourself, talk to your neighbors. Uh, let's make sure we show up. All right. We need to show up this year, big time. Get the house back. We're so close. By the way, last thing about District 14. It's kind of cool that I, that I like to share this whenever I can. Um, 
District 14 and District 64 is between one and three of must-have by both parties. Democrats must have this seat to keep the House, keep their power. We must have it to get our country back. So to say the least, the values we talked about before literally are the linchpin for our entire country. It's kind of cool that Utah, the 4th District, can be play such a big part and changes the director of our country. I think we should be really proud of that. It says a lot in my mind that Heavenly Father really trusts us and he's blessing us to be a blessing to others. We went back to House. We keep the Senate. We have a president who continues to put out Americans first and identifies evil. What he's done that other place people have not done, he understands what the enemy looks like. They're those who hate our nation, the Marxists and the socialists. They've been doing all this stuff behind the scenes all these years and they are so panicked because he's beginning to pull back the curtains. And once America sees what, what's been back there, we're going to be a little bit upset. And I think that's what they're, that's what they're so, concerned, so concerned about. So that being said, um, I'm going to ask for your vote. Those who are listening, I'm going to ask for your vote. All right. The, pan, the primary and, of course, in the general, let's get Ben McAdams out and let's get uh, the voice of we the people into Congress and make this happen. All right. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank it's, you. It's a real pleasure, guys. It's a real pleasure for sure. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna end the show on something a little bit more lighthearted um, because we are all about Utah here. Um, and and Jessica found us a, a very um, I think it was you, right, Jess? Yep. Uh, a very nice, lighthearted um, think you know Utah quiz that was on Salt Lake Tribune. So you guys don't have this printed, so I'm gonna take you through it. Hey. And uh, I want to see. Um, That's because I got too busy. <laughs> how Sorry. well uh, you guys know Utah? So I'm going to go through the ten questions, and you guys kind of keep track of if you got it right or not, and we'll see who knows it best. So we're not answering out loud. No, you can answer out loud, but you need to keep track of your own points when I tell you the answer. Based on what we know about the corona, how coronavirus spreads, what events were. Areas promote increased viral spread. Why is this a question for this? Are you sure you're reading the right quiz? That's the quiz that's on the page you gave. <laughs> the Utah quiz? Eating from self-service buffets, attending church services. Oh, I think this might be an ad. <laughs> maybe that's why. Ha, ah, there we go. Now we go. Wait, Maybe. No, 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 that's the first question. That is the first question. The COVID question? Okay, yep. re-ask it. Okay. Based on what we know about how the coronavirus spreads, what inc- what events or areas promote increased viral spread? Eating from self-service buffets, attending church services, working out in gyms, or all of the above? All of the above. Anyone else have something different? No. Did you already take this, Jess? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I just saw it and then I posted it so I wouldn't forget about it. Oh Do we God. all get points? Uh, yeah, it's all of the above. Okay. Former Utah Jazz coach Jerry Sloan died on May 22nd. How many games did he win as a coach? Oh God. A lot. 1,234, <laughs> 3,248, 1,223, or 2,578? I'm choosing the last one. Me too. I'm saying 3,200. Okay. And I would say 1,234. It is 2578. Is that the last one? Uh, no. Oh. That was the third one. The last one was like 3500. That was the second one was 2578. Oh, that was the one I thought that I was picking. He was a coach for a long time. So just so you guys know, 66% of people got that wrong. That's actually a really Why would I pretty, know that? I don't, it's a pretty I don't tough even keep track question. of stats on a game I care about. 
He coached the Jazz for 23 seasons. Um, he was the fourth winningest coach in the NBA. Kane County is pushing back against Best Friends Animal Society after the animal welfare nonprofit did what? Botland, originally slated for a controversial sand mine, refused to pay taxes, criticized the county's coronavirus response, or threatened to move to Juab County. I'm going with C. Didn't pay taxes. I'm going to go with D. Maybe I'll just go with A. So we'll see. I'm going to choose refuse to pay taxes. We'll see who's right. That's what Jeremy picked. Yeah, that's what I chose on there. Uh, so the correct answer was uh, Botland originally slated for a controversial sand mine. So A. So they bought 1,637 acres of state trust lands that had been proposed site for a sand mine. Uh, and apparently that was a pretty deeply dividing uh, thing for the community. I bet you Mike Noel supported the sand mine. Hmm. Sand and <laughs> so far we're all tied for one. One. Which two <laughs> state universities announced they will hold in-person classes this fall? Can you guys name them? University of Utah yep. did, and uh, I would say Weber. Uh, I'm going to go with UVU. I know the U of U did. So, I know that well, one. Yeah, we, we, we all just agreed with that one. The other one, though, uh, let's go Dixie. Okay, so I'm going to give you the options, and then maybe you guys will <laughs> oh, <what> better. <laughs> UVU, SUU, or U oh. of U, USU. Ugh, I'm almost tempted stop, to switch stop, my, my Let answer. me finish. Utah State and Dixie State, or U of U and Weber State. I guess Jess was right because yeah, that was yeah, the only one that had the U of U in it. No, the University of Utah and Utah, Utah State, State University. Mm-hmm. That was my other Or guess, University of Utah and Weber. Weber. So which one? Utah State or Weber? Weber. Utah State. Just because that it was country. Utah State. It was <laughs> U of U and USU. I hesitated. I, I was going to go with You're going to switch it to SUU. Because their president is, he tends to err on the side of not caution. Yeah, not but caution. the University well, of Utah. Like when, every, sure, when all so. the other schools shut down for snow, he didn't. And then he like wrote an apology because he's like, <laughs> I really should have shut the school down. Sorry. And Kathy was like, yeah, that was totally expected. He doesn't ever shut anything down. That's funny. We're on. We're halfway through. When the gubernatorial election coming in, with the gubernatorial election coming in November, former Utah Senator Jim DeBacchus is urging Utah Democrats to do what? Switch to Republican. <laughs> Demand at least two Republicans drop out of the race. Vote for <laughs> Democratic nominee Chris Peterson. Write him in as governor. Good, or yeah. register with the Republican Party. Yep. That one. I actually read about H- that. His post was really funny. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, 79% of respondents got that one right. I've got two so far. I got three because I knew that one, too. Members of Congress are asking the Department of Veterans Affairs to remove or alter a Utah gravestone that has what inscribed? The Nazi symbol. And it actually says something about, um, like, being close to the Fuhrer. I can't remember the exact state, but they don't have a timeline yet for when those need to be removed. Is that the one? There's, like, three or So it's actually a Knight's Cross and a swastika. Devon at Fort Douglas? Yep. There are several across the country. Because they were people that they were wow. People that died. I'm surprised that 97 percent of people got that right. It was big it's, in the news. Yeah, it was in the news. So they have to remove it. They're taking the headstones. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I kind of, sort of, don't agree with. They there's actually very very strict protocols. I was reading, which is why they haven't announced a date when that's happening because they have to make sure they go. 
proper protocol. Hmm. I wish what they would do is just okay. somehow like sandblast the swash, leave the. We gotta. I don't know. You gotta keep moving along. They should change guys. it to a Windows symbol. <laughs> just, I don't think people want a three-hour show. A three-hour show. <laughs> okay, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Come on, come on, come on. Which I have a cake what? to go home. I haven't eaten since like ten symbol. o'clock this morning. You guys morning. gotta shut up if you want me to read the question. Those crackers were the first thing I ate today. Fuckers. <laughs> Are we done yet? <laughs> Jesus. Now I know what you all feel like. <laughs> no, you don't. Which <laughs> which minority group in Utah has more coronavirus cases than the supermajority white population? Rose Park. That's not <laughs> just kidding. It's eight eight four one one seven. That's not not which not zip code. It's which minority group? <laughs> minority group. So eight four one one seven. African Americans, <laughs> Native Americans, Native Hispanics, Americans. or Pacific Islanders. Native Americans. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing. I I only think Native Americans because of the Navajo Nation. Yeah, that's um, yeah. but most of Me that too. I don't think is. Yeah, in Utah. I don't think most of that's in yeah, Utah. I would I, vote Hispanics I below that. Well. Especially based on zip code. I don't know. My kid's had four tests and she's been negative the whole time. Hey, your kid's white. We said besides <laughs> the supermajority white people. She's not white. It is Hispanics. Only 60% of people got it right, though. That's probably because they think of the Navajo Nation. During the first public meeting in seven months, what did Utah Inland Port Authority Board promise to do? Nothing. Scrap the project. <laughs> Be an environmentally substantial port or sustainable port. Pay more than its share of taxes. Give more authority to Salt Lake City. More authority. More authority. More authority. That would be my guess. And that was a public meeting that was held online, and they actually got through the goddamn meeting. But it was to be environmentally sustainable port. Oh, we suck. 26% of people got that wrong. That was like a basically a closed-door meeting. They're like, okay, let's have a meeting online. And let's tell everyone five minutes before it happens, except for the people we want to be there. It's like me. It's like, I was just going to yeah. say that. Except for they did do it slightly before instead of like a day after. Of the four Republican gubernatorial candidates, which one said he doesn't believe in human-caused climate change? Was it Greg, Greg Hughes? Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just go with it because he was a... He, I know That's he was, who it was. Look, I know he was going to be on the show and we might still get him, but Jesus fuck. I haven't Christ. tried. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I, don't I know could, if but. I can handle a conversation with him. I know. When he's we should try. I haven't tried. Yeah, it'd be cool if we could get the Democratic guy. We did handle Burgess Owens uh, quite well. So that was a very good interview. Um, and I didn't. There were a to... couple of times when he accused us of ruining the world that made me sad, though. I, I am a Marxist and a fascist and a socialist. So, you know, all of those things. I'm also a communist, <laughs> um, probably racist. Um, I don't think they are all those things together. A member of Antifa. No, um, you can't be fascist and be part of Antifa. <laughs> it doesn't sure? work that way. Are you sure? <laughs> Positive. Uh, after getting kicked out of Kaysville by the city council, what other Utah County banned a concert that is meant to protest COVID-19? Oh, yeah. Tule, Tule County. But they showed up anyways. Of course they did. Not, but not the artists. Okay, so no. who had how many right? Six. Four. We started cruising at the end there, so 60%, not bad, huh? Not 40%. Bad, huh? I got that one right that nobody else got right. I think that's why I have more. <laughs> On a serious note real quick, um, I haven't had to use this because uh, I haven't been that depressed, but you you could be uh, if you're listening to this. Um, oh, yeah. We haven't said this in a long time. You can always reach out to us, right? We'll talk to you um, if you just want someone to talk We're to. We're not trained professionals. I'm not. 
I'm not, but I'm I'm willing to talk to people. Um, no, it's just our disclaimer. Have a have a conversation. Uh, I will tell you not to kill yourself. But there are trained professionals that that are are better at that probably than I am. Um, those uh those folks can be found at the suicide prevention hotline, which is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five, and I think that's just worth mentioning every once in a while, especially hey. in times like this. Hey. Can you just like wait five the dog's minutes? Dog's eating her bed. Who gives a shit? Wait five <laughs> minutes. Um, yeah. If you like what you heard, please share it. Um, you know, like us on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on now Twitter. You can follow again. us on Twitter uh, and communicate with us on Twitter. <laughs> it's at TNU Podcast. We're also on Instagram. Um, and Jeremy's not though. We have a pretty sweet website, thenewutah.com. Jeremy's not allowed to touch any of those things. I don't touch anything uh, anymore. Jeremy's teaching our cat how to play with headphones, and I can't cords. walk up and down stairs. Yeah. So like, I mean, really, your age is just starting to wear on your capacity as a human. Um, hey, I'm not that far <laughs> behind him. Uh, but that's going to do it for the night. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening. And, um, you know, hopefully things get better. They will get better. Um, that's just the nature of the world. So Howard um, Jones says they are going to. Howard Jones? Yeah. What about Soros? Because he's the one that's been paying us. <laughs> you haven't gotten your check yet from George Soros? No. What the hell, dude? The singer. They don't want anything to do with each other. I'm just saying George just Soros things are going to get better. shelling out a lot of money lately, probably, nice. to the anti-fascists. Stop. What? The the fascists in Antifa? How about the Antifa white supremacists? They can't even <laughs> hang out together. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. What is wrong with you? I'm going to send you some historical information on Antifa. <laughs>